Section 17 of Popular Lectures on Scientific Subjects. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. Popular Lectures on Scientific Subjects by Hermann von Helmholtz. Chapter 6, Part 2 academic freedom in german universities for most foreigners the uncontrolled freedom of german students is a subject of astonishment the more so as it is usually some obvious excrescences of this freedom which first meet their eyes they are unable to understand how young men can be so left to themselves without the greatest detriment the German looks back to his student life as his golden age. Our literature and our poetry are full of expressions of this feeling. Nothing of this kind is but even faintly suggested in the literature of other European peoples. The German student alone has this perfect joy in the time in which, in the first delight in youthful responsibility, and freed more immediately from having to work for extraneous interests, he can devote himself to the task of striving after the best and noblest which the human race has hitherto been able to attain in knowledge and in speculation, closely joined in friendly rivalry with a large body of associates of similar aspirations, and in daily mental intercourse with teachers from whom he learns something of the workings of the thoughts of independent minds. When I think of my own student life, and of the impression which a man like Johannes Müller, the physiologist, made upon us, I must place a very high value upon this latter point. Anyone who has once come in contact with one or more men of the first rank, must have had his whole mental standard altered for the rest of his life. Such intercourse is, moreover, the most interesting that life can offer. You, my younger friends, have received in this freedom of the German students a costly and valuable inheritance of preceding generations. Keep it, and hand it on to coming races, purified, and ennobled if possible you have to maintain it by each in his place taking care that the body of german students is worthy of the confidence which has hitherto accorded such a measure of freedom but freedom necessarily implies responsibility it is as injurious a present for weak as it is valuable for strong characters do not wonder if parents and statesmen sometimes urge that a more rigid system of supervision and control, like that of the English, shall be introduced even among us. There is no doubt that, by such a system, many a one would be saved who is ruined by freedom. But the state and the nation is best served by those who can bear freedom, and have shown that they know how to work and to struggle from their own force and insight, and from their own interest in science. My having previously dwelt on influence of mental intercourse with distinguished men leads me to discuss another point in which German universities are distinguished from the English and the French ones. 
it is that we start with the object of having instruction given if possible only by teachers who have proved their own power of advancing science this also is a point in respect to which the british and french often express their surprise they lay more weight than the germans on what is called the talent for teaching that is the power of explaining the subjects of instruction in a well-arranged and clear manner and if possible with eloquence and so as to entertain and to fix the attention lectures of eloquent orators at the college de france jardin de plan as well as in oxford and cambridge are often the centres of the elegant and the educated world in germany we are not only indifferent to but even distrustful of oratorical ornament and often enough are more negligent than we should be of the outer forms of the lecture there can be no doubt that a good lecture can be followed with far less exertion than a bad one that the matter of the first can be more certainly and completely comprehended that a well-arranged explanation which develops the salient points and the divisions of the subject and which brings it as it were almost intuitively before us can impart far more information in the same time than one which has the opposite qualities i am by no means prepared to defend what is frequently our too great contempt for form in speech and in writing it cannot also be doubted that many original men who have done considerable scientific work have often an uncouth heavy and hesitating delivery yet i have not infrequently seen that such teachers had crowded lecture-rooms while empty-headed orators excited astonishment in the first lecture fatigue in the second and were deserted in the third any one who desires to give his hearers a perfect conviction of the truth of his principles must first of all know from his own experience how conviction is acquired and how not he must have known how to acquire conviction where no predecessor had been before him that is he must have worked at the confines of human knowledge and have conquered for it new regions a teacher who retails convictions which are foreign to him is sufficient for those pupils who depend upon authority as the source of their knowledge but not for such as require bases for their conviction which extend to the very bottom you will see that this is an honourable confidence which the nation reposes in you definite courses and specified teachers are not prescribed to you you are regarded as men whose unfettered conviction is to be gained who know how to distinguish what is essential from what is only apparent who can no longer be appeased by an appeal to any authority and who no longer let themselves be so appeased care is also always taken that you yourselves should penetrate to the sources of knowledge in so far as these consist in books and monuments or in experiments and in the observation of natural objects and processes even the smaller german universities have their own libraries collections of castes and the like and in the establishment of laboratories for chemistry microscopy physiology and physics germany has preceded all other european countries 
we are now beginning to emulate her. In our own university, we may in the next few weeks expect the opening of two new institutions devoted to instruction in natural science. The free conviction of the student can only be acquired when freedom of expression is guaranteed to the teacher's own conviction, the liberty of teaching. This has not always been ensured, either in Germany or in the adjacent countries. In times of political and ecclesiastical struggle, the ruling parties have often enough allowed themselves to encroach. This has always been regarded by the German nation as an attack upon their sanctuary. The advanced political freedom of the new German Empire has brought a cure for this. At this moment, the most extreme consequences of materialistic metaphysics, the boldest speculations upon the basis of Darwin's theory of evolution, may be taught in German universities, with as little restraint as the most extreme deification of papal infallibility. As in the tribune of European parliaments, it is forbidden to suspect motives or indulge in abuse of the personal qualities of our opponents, so also is any incitement to such acts as are legally forbidden. But there is no obstacle to the discussion of a scientific question in a scientific spirit. In English and French universities there is less idea of liberty of teaching in this sense. Even in the Collège de France the lectures of a man of Renan's scientific importance and earnestness are forbidden. I have to speak of another aspect of our liberty of teaching. That is, the extended sense in which German universities have admitted teachers. In the original meaning of the word, a doctor is a teacher or one whose capacity as teacher is recognized. In the universities of the Middle Ages, any doctor who found pupils could set up as teacher. In course of time, the practical signification of the title was changed. Most of those who sought the title did not intend to act as teachers, but only needed it as an official recognition of their scientific training. Only in Germany are there any remains of this ancient rite. In accordance with the altered meaning of the title of doctor and the minuter specialization of the subjects of instruction, a special proof of more profound scientific proficiency in the particular branch in which they wish to habilitate is required from those doctors who desire to exercise the right of teaching. In most German universities, moreover, the legal status of these habilitated doctors as teachers is exactly the same as that of the ordinary professors. In a few places, they are subject to some slight restrictions which, however, have scarcely any practical effect. The senior teachers of the university, especially the ordinary professors, have this amount of favor that, on the one hand, in those branches in which special apparatus is needed for instruction, they can more freely dispose of the means belonging to the state, while on the other, it falls to them to hold the examinations in the faculty and, as a matter of fact, often also the state examination. 
this naturally exerts a certain pressure on the weaker minds among the students the influence of examinations is however often exaggerated in the frequent migrations of our students a great number of examinations are held in which the candidates have never attended the lectures of the examiners on no feature of our university arrangements do foreigners express their astonishment so much as about the position of private docents they are surprised and even envious that we have such a number of young men who without salary for the most part with insignificant income from fees and with very uncertain prospects for the future devote themselves to strenuous scientific work and judging us from the point of view of basely practical interest they are equally surprised that the faculties so readily admit young men who at any moment may change from assistants to competitors and further that only in the most exceptional cases is anything ever heard of unworthy means of competition in what is a matter of some delicacy the appointment to vacant professorships like the admission of private docents rests though not unconditionally and not in the last resort with the faculty that is with the body of ordinary professors these form in german universities that residuum of former colleges of doctors to which the rights of the old corporations have been transferred they form as it were a select committee of the graduates of a former epoch but established with the cooperation of the government the usual form for the nomination of new ordinary professors is that the faculty proposes three candidates to government for its choice where the government however does not consider itself restricted to the candidates proposed excepting in times of heated party conflict it is very unusual for the proposals of the faculty to be passed over if there is not a very obvious reason for hesitation it is always a serious personal responsibility for the executive officials to elect in opposition to the proposals of competent judges a teacher who has publicly to prove his capacity before large circles the professors have however the strongest motives for securing to the faculty the best teachers the most essential condition for being able to work with pleasure at the preparation of lectures is the consciousness of having not too small a number of intelligent listeners moreover a considerable fraction of the income of many teachers depends upon the number of their hearers each one must wish that his faculty as a whole shall attract as numerous and as intelligent a body of students as possible that however can only be attained by choosing as many able teachers whether professors or docents as possible on the other hand a professor's attempt to stimulate his hearers to vigorous and independent research can only be successful when it is supported by his colleagues besides this working with distinguished colleagues makes life in university circles interesting instructive and stimulating a faculty must have greatly sunk 
it must not only have lost its sense of dignity but also even the most ordinary worldly prudence if other motives could preponderate over these and such a faculty would soon ruin itself with regard to the spectre of rivalry among university teachers with which it is sometimes attempted to frighten public opinion there can be none such if the students and their teachers are of the right kind in the first place it is only in large universities that there are two to teach one and the same branch and even if there is no difference in the official definition of the subject there will be a difference in the scientific tendencies of the teachers they will be able to divide the work in such a manner that each has that side which he most completely masters two distinguished teachers who are thus complementary to each other form then so strong a centre of attraction for the students that both suffer no loss of hearers though they may have to share amongst themselves a number of the less zealous ones the disagreeable effects of rivalry will be feared by a teacher who does not feel quite certain in his scientific position this can have no considerable influence on the official decisions of the faculty when it is only a question of one or of a small number of the voters the predominance of a distinct scientific school in a faculty may become more injurious than such personal interests when the school has scientifically outlived itself students will probably migrate by degrees to other universities this may extend over a long period and the faculty in question will suffer during that time we see best how strenuously the universities under this system have sought to attract the scientific ability of germany when we consider how many pioneers have remained outside the university the answer to such an inquiry is given in the not infrequent jest or sneer that all wisdom in germany is professorial wisdom if we look at england we see men like humphrey davy faraday mill grota who have had no connection with english universities if on the other hand we deduct from the list of german men of science those who like david strauss have been driven away by government for ecclesiastical or for political reasons and those who as members of learned academies had the right to deliver lectures in the universities as alexander and wilhelm von humboldt leopold von buch and others the rest will only form a small fraction of the number of the men of equal scientific standing who have been at work in the universities while the same calculation made for england would give exactly the opposite result i have often wondered that the royal institution of london a private society which provides for its members and others short courses of lectures on the progress of natural science should have been able to retain permanently the services of such men of such scientific importance as humphrey davy and faraday it was no question of great emoluments these men were manifestly attracted by a select public consisting of men and women of independent mental culture in germany the universities were unmistakably the institutions which exert their most powerful attraction on the taught but it is clear 
that this attraction depends on the teacher's hope that he will not only find in the university a body of pupils enthusiastic and accustomed to work, but such also as devote themselves to the formation of an independent conviction. It is only with such students that the intelligence of the teacher bears any further fruit. The entire organization of our universities is thus permeated by this respect for a free, independent conviction, which is more strongly impressed on the Germans than on their Aryan kindred of the Celtic and Romanic branches, in whom practical political motives have greater weight. They are able, and as it would seem with perfect conscientiousness, to restrain the inquiring mind from the investigation of those principles which appear to them to be beyond the range of discussion as forming the foundation of their political, social, and religious organization. They think themselves quite justified in not allowing their youth to look beyond the boundary which they themselves are not disposed to overstep. If, therefore, any region of questions is to be considered as outside the range of discussion, however remote and restricted it may be, and however good may be the intention, the pupils must be kept in the prescribed path, and teachers must be appointed who do not rebel against authority. We can then, however, only speak of free conviction in a very limited sense. You see how different was the plan of our forefathers. However violently they may at times have interfered with individual results of scientific inquiry, they never wished to pull it up by the roots. An opinion which was not based upon independent conviction appeared to them of no value. In their hearts they never lost faith that freedom alone could cure the errors of freedom, and they riper knowledge the errors of what is unripe. The same spirit which overthrew the yoke of the Church of Rome also organized the German universities. But any institution based upon freedom must also be able to calculate on the judgment and reasonableness of those to whom freedom is granted. Apart from the points which have been previously discussed, where the students themselves are left to decide on the course of their studies and to select their teachers, the above considerations show how the students react upon their teachers. To produce a good course of lectures is a labor which is renewed every term. New matter is continually being added which necessitates a reconsideration and a rearrangement of the old from fresh points of view. The teacher would soon be dispirited in his work if he could not count upon the zeal and the interest of his hearers. The estimate which he places on his task will depend on how far he is followed by the appreciation of a sufficient number of, at any rate, his more intelligent hearers. The influx of hearers to the lectures of a teacher has no slight influence upon his fame and promotion, and therefore upon the composition of the body of teachers. In all these respects it is assumed that the general public opinion among the students cannot go permanently wrong. The majority of them, who are, as it were, the representatives of the general opinion, 
must come to us with a sufficiently logical trained judgment with a sufficient habit of mental exertion with a tact sufficiently developed on the best models to be able to discriminate truth from the babbling appearance of truth among the students are to be found those intelligent heads who will be the mental leaders of the next generation and who perhaps in a few years will direct to themselves the eyes of the world occasional errors in youthful and excitable spirits naturally occur but on the whole we may be pretty sure that they will soon set themselves right thus prepared they have hitherto been sent to us by the gymnasiums it would be very dangerous for the universities if large numbers of students frequented them who were less developed in the above respects the general self-respect of the students must not be allowed to sink if that were the case the dangers of academic freedom would choke its blessings it must therefore not be looked upon as pedantry or arrogance if the universities are scrupulous in the admission of students of a different style of education it would be still more dangerous if for any extraneous reasons teachers are introduced into the faculty who have not the complete qualifications of an independent academical teacher do not forget my dear colleagues that you are in a responsible position you have to preserve the noble inheritance of which i have spoken not only for your own people but as a model to the widest circles of humanity you will show that youth also is enthusiastic and will work for independence of conviction i say work for independence of conviction is not the facile assumption of untested hypotheses but can only be acquired as the fruit of conscientious inquiry and strenuous labor you must show that a conviction which you yourselves have worked out is a more fruitful germ of fresh insight and a better guide for action than the best intentioned guidance by authority germany which in the sixteenth century first revolted for the right of such conviction and gave his witness in blood is still in the van of this fight to germany has fallen an exalted historical task and in it you are called upon to cooperate end of section seventeen